0: to you a happy and a blessed new year with uh, all the blessings of God to be upon you in the days to come. As we continue to think along in those themes, I would like you to turn this morning to the New Testament, to Paul's letter to the Philippians, and we will read from the third chapter, and it's the third chapter in its entirety, the 21 verses of that chapter. Let us hear now the word of God. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is not irksome to me, and it is safe for you. Look out for the dogs, look out for the evil workers, look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the true circumcision, who worship God in spirit and glory in Christ Jesus, and put no confidence in the flesh. Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as refuse in order that I may gain Christ and to be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own based on the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that if possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brethren, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature be thus minded, and if anything you are otherwise minded, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brethren, join in imitating me, and mark those who so live as you have an example in us. For many, of whom I have often told you, and now tell you even with tears, live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is the belly, and their glory is in their shame with their minds set on earthly things. But our commonwealth is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will change our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power which enables him even to subject all things to himself. This ends the word of the Lord. May he bless it to our understanding. Let's bow in prayer. Holy God, who has given and inspired these holy words, who have protected them through the years and have given them to us this day, as we have read them and as we now ponder them, grant that your Holy Spirit might be with us, that he would open the truths of these words, And that you would write them upon our hearts, that we would go forth from this sanctuary to do them in the world to which you have sent us. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Most of us face the future of a new year with a mixture of emotions ranging from excitement to some fear and some apprehension. It perhaps was exacerbated this year with all of the hype and hoopla about Y2K and all of the things that were direly predicted that were going to happen to us. And in the blessing and in the mercy of God, none of those things happened, and we are grateful for that. Yet at the same time that we are grateful that none of those things happened, our apprehension still remains to some degree we look back over the last year and we look forward to the year 2000 and sometimes we think we would like to have some kind of formula something that we could give into our lives and into our daily living that would help us prepare to face the future and to face it with happiness and with peace and with comfort and with joy and to be able to face it knowing that no matter what happens that God is with us. We would like to have some kind of thing to to get our hands on, to get in our minds that would help us to put all of these things into that kind of uh, perspective. We are not alone. Ancient people sought the same thing. They sought something that would help them to face the future. And in ancient Rome, they had a god A God that had two faces. One face looked forward. The other face looked backward. He was a very popular God. He was so popular that the Romans finally minted a coin with his face upon it. Looking forward and the face looking backwards. Rome named this God Janus. From which we today get January our first month they believed that with that god and through a temple that they ultimately erected to him that a god who looked forward and looked backward would be filled with wisdom and so they would they would worship janus and in him would seek to find a way a formula something that would help them to feel confident both in the future and what had gone behind We do not, as Christians, need Janus. We do not need a two-faced God looking forward and backward to give us the kind of confidence and the kind of wisdom that we need to face the coming year. We do indeed face a new year, a new decade, a new century, a new millennium. And we would like somehow in our lives to be able to grasp the significance of all of that, And that our lives in the year to come would have some meaning and some purpose. Now the Apostle Paul, in writing the book of Philippians, touches on some great and profound theological themes. And as we find happens very often with the Apostle Paul, interspersed in all of these great doctrines and these great things that he talks about, Paul sometimes comes back down to earth from the theological heavens, And gives to us some very practical, some very everyday kind of things to advise us in terms of our following Christ and living this Christian life. And he does so in this passage that we read as well as others in Philippians and other places today. And I would like us to think about those things this morning. And I want us to concentrate particularly on verse 13, where Paul says, One thing I do... Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now, as Paul is facing his future, and as Paul is going through all of the things that we now know through the epistles that he has written, one thing we know about Paul is that he had a lot of things that he wanted to forget. When Paul said he would forget what would lie behind, that he would leave that behind him, Paul was not just talking about abstract things. Paul had a background for which many times he felt shame. Paul had persecuted the church. He had been an implacable enemy of Jesus Christ and of the apostles. It was the apostle Paul that given the sanction through the Pharisees, that hunted down and arrested Christians. They hauled them off to be punished, imprisoned, and sometimes even killed. And perhaps the most classic example of that is with Stephen, the deacon appointed by the church, who is stoned to death, and Paul holds the coats of those who would stone him. Paul could look back on his life, and he knew there were a lot of things that he needed to forget. There were a lot of things that he needed to be, have put behind him. Things that must no longer dog his footsteps. Paul must look back on his past sins and understand that they are now forgiven. Understand that that is History that it no longer has any bearing, truly, on his life. Paul looks back on these with some guilt. And as you read through the epistles of Paul, you will see this surface from time to time, as he mentions some of these things that obviously still bother him a little bit. He would look back as he goes through these things and see also his failures, He would know his failures in Christ. He would know his failures in his ministry. And he would mention some of those things from time to time. He would also be aware that there were past hurts that had come to him. He and Barnabas had had harsh words. He'd had harsh words with others. And those would come back to haunt him as well. There was much in Paul's life that he needed to put behind him if he was going to face the future and if he was going to do so in any sense of comfort and any kind of victory. And what is true for the Apostle Paul is true for each one of us. We look back not only to 1999, but many of us can look back to many years prior to that, and there we too can find past sins. We can find a lot of things that we are ashamed of. We can think of words we have spoken that should not have been said. And things that should have been said that we didn't say. We can think of all manner of things in which we have failed our Lord Jesus Christ. We can think of the times that we vowed over and over again of something that we would never ever do again. Only to find ourselves doing it in a rather short time. This is the time of year for that when people make resolutions, most of which are broken within a week or so. We can look back on bad habits that we thought we would get rid of and that we haven't. We look back like the Apostle Paul and we can feel guilt rising within us. We can feel shame for what we have done we can feel contrition for what we have done to others even Christian brothers and sisters we can remember past hurts things that family friends co-workers others have said or done to us that have caused us pain have caused us anger and have caused us difficulty in forgiving them with Paul we need as we stand on this threshold of a new year to put those things behind us we need to give them into the hands of Christ and to remember to forgive as we have been forgiven and I sometimes wonder if it's not almost easier for us to forgive than it is to accept our own forgiveness Do we really believe that God has wiped the slate clean? Do we really believe that in Jesus Christ we are indeed forgiven? That the past is gone. It is no longer with us. The scripture says, the Lord's mercies are new every morning. Each day is a new day, each week, each month, each year. We are forgiven. It's what God came to do in Jesus Christ. And we need to find strength and faith to reach out and to grasp that forgiveness that God has given us. That the slate is wiped clean. We do not need to carry those guilt, those sins, that shame with us anymore. They are gone. And if we are to face today, and if we are faced tomorrow and the future, we must let go of them. We must let God cleanse this from us, that we might live the present and the future in comfort and in hope and in peace. As you see, the Apostle Paul knew what he was talking about because there is a grave danger if we do not forget. If we do not put behind us these things what happens to us is that soon we become devastated by our guilt our guilt begins to work its way into our life into our very soul and it begins to affect everything that we do begins to affect the people around us begins to affect our hope our peace it begins to eat away at us like a like a disease like a cancer to destroy us and the hold of bad habits takes away any hope we have of changing in the future. If we don't let go of them, we begin to feel that we never can, that nothing can ever help us. And it takes away the very potential that we have as people of Jesus Christ. And when we look at the failures that have been ours the last year and in years past if we dwell only on the things for which we have failed it becomes very easy for us to believe that we cannot succeed at anything I never will be a success I never will be this I will never attain that I am a failure I have failed in the past I will fail in the future destroys any incentive Destroys any initiative for us to grasp hold of the hope that is in Christ. As it is written that we can do all things in him who strengthens us. But if we reside only in our failures. We lose track of that holy word. And fail to believe that promise. And the same with our hurts. If we nurture them. If we brood on them, they simply fester and poison within us. One wise man wrote one time that the most deadly curse he could think of to place upon another person was to sentence them to hate someone forever. He had a profound thought that sometimes we miss Hatred and unforgiving spirit eats away and destroys not our enemies, but us. And the Apostle Paul understood that, and there was reconciliation one day with him and Barnabas. Now, with all of the things of putting this behind us, as the Apostle Paul indicates we must also point out that there is a sense in which we are also required to remember some things from the past. The scripture requires that we look back on some things and that we keep them before us at all times. You don't read far in the Psalms before you begin to see this. We remember the blessings that God has given. The Israelites look backward to the exodus. The psalmist looked back to all of the times that God had delivered him. The people looked back individually and collectively to how God had saved them time after time after time. That he had protected them from hurt and from evil. They would look back and remember the victories that God had given them. When they looked at the future with absolute despair, that there was absolutely no help, nothing that could be done, And yet the power of that sovereign God and his love came in and gave them a victory. And they would remember as we must remember today the same things. To look back at the year past, at the time past, and to remember what God has done. Remember as we are gathered here in this sanctuary this morning how many wondrous blessings God has bestowed upon us not because we deserved it but because he loved us we remember how many victories God has given us how many things we thought we could not do that God saw us through and we did how many things we were spared that did not come upon us how many times God interceded in our lives In our homes, to give us victory, to give us hope, to give us courage, to remind us that we walk with Him. And we remember from this side of the cross the forgiveness that God bestows in Jesus Christ. Paul speaks of this. The new birth in Jesus Christ is something that we must always keep before us. We are new creatures. In Jesus Christ. We are not the same as we were before Christ came into our lives. And we are not as same as the people in the world around us who do not have Christ. We are forgiven. We are made one in Jesus Christ. We are born anew with a new birth. We are new creatures. With new hope. New promise. New future. And we must keep that ever before us. In the world in which we live. For the world would take that from us. Paul, in speaking of putting things behind us, also understands that there is a present time to live. And he speaks of that as well in these passages. Paul reminds us that as he lives in the world and as we live in the world, we have to adjust our lives to what we find before us Paul says look out for the dogs look out for the evil workers look out for those who mutilate the flesh Paul is saying as we live in this world and as we are seeking our way in this world we need to choose good company we need to be careful who it is that we select as our friends And as our associates because the world is filled with those who are the enemies of Christ and the world is filled with those who do not hold the morals and the ethics and the faith that we as Christians do and while we need to come in contact with them to witness to them for Christ if we choose them as our major friends if they become the ones that we associate with all of the time there's as much chance that we will become like them as there is that they will become like us. Paul wrote it again in First Corinthians fifteen thirty three. Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals, he says. It's particularly true, I think, with our young people. There's so much peer pressure in high school and in college and in other places. That it's easy to get in with a crowd, get in with a gang. And for fear of being rejected, to begin more and more to associate and to participate in the things that they are doing. And when we do, it simply drags us down to their level and begins to work again. The memories of tomorrow that will be filled with guilt and with shame and with a wish that we could go back And do it over. Paul is saying in effect we need to adjust our priorities as we live in the world. We need to know what it is that's important to us and what it is we are trying to accomplish as we live day by day. Paul gave a litany of all the things that he was that he could be proud of. He was an Israelite. He was a Hebrew. He was circumcised on the eighth day. He was a rabbi. Of the the law, he was righteous, though not perfect. Paul had a lot of things going for him. And as with some others, he could have said, I have already arrived at it. These are the goals, and I have achieved it. But that is not true. Paul understood he must readjust his priorities, and that's why he could say, Whatever gain I had, whatever it was I thought I had in that old life, I count as refuse it's not worth anything it doesn't lead us any place it doesn't bring us any place Paul said I have no confidence in my own my own righteousness in my own flesh as it were in my own good works and we must understand that as we set our priorities and our perspectives today and for the future Are your goals simply to achieve things, to achieve money in the bank, social status, our place in school, our place in work? None of these things are bad by themselves, but if that only is the goal of our life, we are never going to find the peace and the comfort that we think we want. Because if we can gain those things, they can also be taken from us. So we need to look beyond those things, important as they are, to see what it is that we are really striving for. And as Christians, we are striving for our place in Jesus Christ. We need to know that we have not attained perfection in where we are now, and that we are never going to attain it, this side of heaven. But we need to know that we look beyond what is happening in the world and what is happening in our life today. We have another commonwealth, another kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. That's where we're headed. And through this life, we are simply sojourners, we are simply travelers who have been put here by God to achieve and to accomplish His purpose as He has called us. And when we can look beyond simply the things of this life, the things that this culture and this world says is important, and look beyond to this goal of the upward call of God in Jesus Christ. We achieve not only those things, but we achieve that which goes beyond it. And we begin to find the peace and the comfort that we seek. For the future, Paul says to us, know your God. Know the Christ that you serve. Know that we belong to Christ alone in this life and to no one else. Far too many Christians profess Jesus as Savior, but do not admit him as Lord. He is both. He is King. And we must serve him in that capacity. To seek as we serve him to claim the promise that he has given a resurrection life in the kingdom of heaven by faith alone. To that end, we press on," says Paul. And as I read that, question rose in my mind: How indeed do we press on? How indeed do we work toward these things as Christians? I think there are three or four things that's that scripture said clearly are presented throughout scripture that we could incorporate into our lives in perhaps a greater and better way that would help us in that future. One of them is what we are doing right now. Worship. You know, of all the things that God commands us to do and to be as disciples, one of the things that surfaces over and over and over again is that we should worship God we should come together collectively and individually and bring praise to his holy name as we gather together and as we worship God and our hearts are open to God then it is that God's grace so often touches us so we need to worship we need to worship with regularity we need to worship as a group and we need to worship as individuals and with that There's another aspect that is part of worship that, again, perhaps we do not pursue as well as we should. In the fourth chapter of this book of Philippians, the sixth verse, Paul writes these words. Have no anxiety about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And what happens Paul says when we do, and the peace of God which passes all understanding will keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. To pray in everything. I have to confess that I sometimes am guilty. I have been over the years. That life sometimes gets so busy that prayer kind of sneaks into the background. Used to be when I was in the past, sometimes the phone was ringing almost before I got out of bed and there all kinds of problems and I'm running hither and yon and making this decision and that decision and it's almost noon before I discover I haven't said good morning to the Lord. How easily we fall into that. How quickly that part of our life can kind of fade into the background and, and then we kind of come with a lick and a promise to God And we lose the prospect of comfort and peace. In everything, Paul says, pray with thanksgiving. I've heard people say and had it suggested to me over the years that, well, they don't want to bother God with all of these little things. He's got enough to do without that. I would say to you that that is wrong. Whatever is of concern to us, is of concern to God, and He wants to hear from us. No matter, no matter how simple, how how unimportant it may seem to anyone else, if it's something that is in with us, then we need take it to God in prayer. And we will discover, as Christians have discovered throughout the years, that the more we worship and the more we pray, the greater comes our spiritual life. And as Paul says, that peace of God that passes understanding, we begin to find glimpses of it. We begin to see it happen. But comfort comes at times that we need it most. And we would add a couple of the more obvious things. Bible study. If we're going to know God's will, we've got to know what's in this book. We need to be saturated with God's word. We need to live in it that it becomes a a part of us, a second nature of everything that we do and say that we measure against that holy book. And with that, and with all of this, we need our fellowship. We need each other. Scripture is clear that we need pray for each other. We need edify each other. We need admonish each other. We need to come together to pray with each other, to encourage each other. Our fellowship in Christ is essential and important to us. And that, too, can easily slip into the background sometimes in the busyness of our life. The real answer to the past and the present and the future is in Jesus Christ. Not in Janus, the Roman two-faced gods, nor any of the other gods raised in today's world, and there are a multitude of them. For us, it is looking back in Christ, ahead in Christ, and upward in Christ to the future. The Christ that erases our past sins and guilts, who gives us the perspective for the present and hope for the future. Paul warns us that to set the mind on earthly things simply leads to destruction. So as we begin this year, as we begin our lives anew this day, let us do so with a new commitment. A commitment to our Savior Christ, a new commitment to trust him with our past, our present, and our future. And to look not just forward and back, but to keep looking forward in Jesus Christ and upward to that call that Paul talked about. But we remember that Jesus said something very similar. No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Let us pray. Holy Father, take away our fear. Take away our apprehension. Remind us that you are God, you are sovereign. All things are in your hand that we are in your hand and nothing nothing in all this world can separate us from you in christ jesus remind us father that as you have erased and forgiven the past as you are with us in the present that so you will walk with us in the future and we need not have fear bless us father that We might be strengthened in these admonitions of the Apostle Paul and throughout Scripture. Help us, our God, that we might claim this promise and that we might, too, might, in the days and the years to come, know that peace of God which passes all understanding, that will keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. In his holy name we pray. Amen.